0: All right, good morning, everybody. It's great to see you. And I felt at home with my brother from Georgia. That's awesome to see somebody from Georgia all the way up here, wow. So I I am actually originally from West Virginia, but I currently live in Jacksonville, Florida, which is, of course, right on the border of Georgia and Florida. I live in a beach town, so uh, a beautiful, sunny, hot uh, place to live, but I got to tell you, when I got, I woke up this morning, walked outside of the hotel, and breathing in that uh, that that uh, pine smell and the nice cool air, uh, it is a beautiful place to be up here. So now, thank you for inviting me in May, because if you did this in January, I'm going to go ahead and decline. Okay. <laughs> Um, it is a wonderful place. I love the mountains. I love coffee. I just I get that vibe when I'm here. This is not my first time to Vermont. I've been here a few times. Um, it was years ago, but I was in uh, down in the Burlington area and preached uh, here a few times. Uh, I've actually been privileged to be in 48 out of the 50 states. How many you want to guess which ones I have not been to? Anybody got a guess? I've been to Alaska. Ah, oh, oh, there we were the two Dakotas. I know it's kind of weird. The reason is there's no people that live there, okay? It's, it's like, uh, you know, it's just basically there's no humans. And so because there's no humans, there's no churches. And my traveling is usually, uh, you know, church oriented. And so uh, I've never been to the Dakotas, but I've been up here. I've enjoyed my time here. And I understand, is there, is there somebody from Canada? Is that right? Somebody from Canada? I didn't realize we were so close to Canada. So that's neat too. But uh, uh, I, I want to tell you just a, a, a brief uh, overview, just myself, my family, just to give you a little perspective of where I'm coming from. Uh, I am an expert in family life. I'm just kidding. No, I'm, not, this is, I am, I'm the last thing from that. Uh, anybody who does anything successful or unsuccessful in their family, it is an, it's on-the-job training. There is no book, except for the Bible, there's no book you can read. There's no, there's no tool that's going to perfectly prepare you for marriage and parenting. You're like, this is the best book I've ever read. Em. Yeah. But it's not a one-stop solution to give you all the answers. Most of it is just trying to figure it out, man. Trying to figure it out. Uh, I'm, I've, I've been happily married for 21 years. So I've got that going for me. I made it 21 years. My wife, um, wow. Uh, all I can say about her is she's like, she her her like mission in life is to try to help me not look too stupid. Okay. <laughs> I, I just, I mean, I am like a wild uh, card, and she is like Mary Poppins. Okay. So we're... You know, and we it works out really well together. We met in college. Uh, We celebrate 21 years uh, this coming July. Our entire life has been ministry. We met in Bible college, and we have served in a variety of capacities, most recently of which is uh, uh, entering into our eighth year of pastoral ministry down in Jacksonville, Florida. I've done college work and uh, international and uh, national evangelism, But uh, I'm thankful for what God's led us to do. We have five kids, okay? We have five. And I meant to send a picture to kind of show them on the screen. Maybe we can work that out later. But uh, I have a 15-year-old daughter. Y'all go ahead and pray for me, okay? I have a 15-year-old daughter. She has a learner's permit. And she has an attitude, okay? I know you think every pastor, their kids are perfect. No pastor's kids are perfect, and my daughter is like proving the point real well. No, she actually is a great kid, but she's her own personality. She is very energetic. She is high uh, drama. She is completely social. She's five foot nine. She's, a, she's our first adopted child. I'll tell you more about that in a minute. So she looks like this major athlete from the time she was a little kid, volleyball coaches, basketball coaches, were trying to get her to have interest. She has no interest. She is clumsy. Uh, she runs into walls all the time at our house. She's wham! You'll just hear her go, "Ow!" All of a sudden, just in the middle of the house. So, like, she can't play basketball or anything like that. That's all out, totally out, totally non-athletic. But she is a great musician and uh, very art- artistic, if you will, and likes to read and all that kind of thing. Uh, then there's Brent, my 10-year-old. He's the exact opposite, exact everything opposite. Everything I just said about her is opposite of him. He is a great athlete. You obviously got it from me. Um, <clears throat> he is a tremendous baseball player, basketball player. He loves to fish. He loves to hunt. He loves outdoors, he, where my daughter is incredibly... Uh, kind of air heady and that kind of thing he is meticulous and careful. he cleans his room without us asking. If you walked in his room any given time of the day, it is absolutely spotless he even um He even tucks his bear up in a blanket and sticks it uh, in the center of his bed. His hats are organized, his cowboy boots are perfectly uh situated i mean he's just the man right he's he, I look at him and i 'm like, Where did you come from, dude like <laughs> How did you get like that? I'm definitely not like that. So there's a 10-year-old. And then we decided this was a great idea. Um, Three years ago, almost four years ago, uh, we were approached with an opportunity to bring into our home two abused children. They were one and two at the time. They had been emotionally, spiritually, physically uh, oh, oh, whoops! Hey, hey! Well, we can't do that. We're gonna turn you guys off here. That's my that's my watch making me look stupid in front of the world. So, <laughs> let me turn him off there. Um, so, we got a call, and they uh, the person said, "Hey, look, this um, the, the this these two kids, uh, Blake and Ashley. They're one and two. Their mother has just turned herself into the Department of Child and Family Services as a danger to the children. Uh, any chance you guys would be up for?" Taking them in, and we're like, wow. So, of course, you know, what do you do? What do you do? We just said yes, of course. That was in September 2019. In May of 2020, during COVID, we closed their adoption over a Zoom call. Uh, And so that's Blake and Ashley. They're now five and four, getting ready to turn six and five. And then this was even better. We get, so our life got completely turned upside down. You know, you got kids that are 13 and nine, and they're like so self sufficient. You know, you're not changing diapers anymore. They, dad can I have a drink. Get it yourself. What are you talking about? You want some cereal? There's the cabinet, right? Uh, change your own clothes. Do your own laundry, hello. And then all of a sudden, we've got a two year old and a one year old in diapers. Okay, our life just got flipped. My, my daughter, Ashley, who came to us when she was one, she was terrified of everything, particularly men. If I got close to her, she'd just go crazy and start screaming. Finally, one day, I just, you know, in one of those crazy things, I just reached down and grabbed her and just hugged on her. And then she went limp. And she's been my best buddy ever since. Blake, uh, was, Blake and Ashley were actually um, strapped in the car seats and placed into a room for entire days with no food, going to the bathroom all over themselves while their parents smoked crack and you know, did all kinds of crazy stuff in the other room. That's what we got ourselves into. It's been an amazing journey. Well, we closed the adoption in May of 2020, and I needed the birth mother to show up at court for, uh, it's a long story, and so we go to her house to meet her to talk about this court appearance, and when we walk in the door, she is seven months pregnant, and she looked at us and said, uh, I was kind of afraid to tell you this, but yeah, you know, I'm going to have a baby." <laughs> Would you take the baby? And we're thinking, woman, do you know how this works? <laughs> like, you know, you know how this happens, right? You know how, like, people get pregnant? Like, you can probably figure out a way to avoid this. But anyways, what are we going to say now? So we took a baby, that was in July 27, 2020. It's actually our anniversary. So the greatest anniversary present we ever got was our baby boy, Braxton, who is now about to turn three. So we have, we have five kids. Four of them are adopted. One of them is our biological boy. That's Brent. When I say that, he's our biological son. He, he's like, I'm biological, man. He, it's kind of his funny thing. So we have older kids. We have younger kids. And, and man, listen, if you have a problem... Uh, You know, raising kids or trying to make it all work with busy family, busy life, busy ministry. I promise you I can identify. Now, besides that, I don't know much, but I can at least identify. Okay, it is not easy to do life. It is not easy to do marriage. And it is certainly not easy to raise kids. So what we're going to do today is we're going to talk. I don't have a lot of notes. I don't do stuff like that. You know, I could do, you know, we're not going to talk about Ephesians 5. That's what you, we're not going to talk about sex. Everybody's like, oh, we're going to get a couple straight. We're going to talk about that. No, we're not going to talk about that. My goodness. Okay. (laughs) Look, Last thing you need is that embarrassing conversation. Okay. Uh, We're not going to do that. You might need help with those things. Get help, man. Get help. Somebody can help you with that. I'm just going to try to be real practical. uh, First of all. Secondly, I would like to be um, inspirational. try to try to get you emotionally engaged because you need to be emotionally engaged. It's fun, it's good to laugh, it's good to cry. It's good to feel it. I don't live by my feelings, but I like it when they follow. Sometimes I need to be moved. you know what I'm saying? Sometimes you need to be moved. You need to be moved by a story. You need to be moved by something that will reach out and touch your heart. Oftentimes, if your heart doesn't get touched, nothing's going to work anyways. And by the way, um, you are at least, you're a three-part person. Your mind, body, and emotion, minimally. And some people separate spirit and mind, whatever, but you're at least that. So if you're going to grow... If you're going to learn, if you're going to excel in life, first of all, but also in marriage and family, then your mind, your body, and your emotions have to engage. And so we're going to do some of that. So if you're looking for like, you know, I'm going to take notes. I'm going to give you some lists along the way, some things I do with my kids, a few things about our marriage that may be helpful and practical. But, man, I'm I'm just trying to engage. The whole theme... That I want to theme my sessions with is um, is let's build something together. That was uh, an old Lowe's slogan a while back. I like that. Now, having said that, I am the world's worst mechanic and builder. So, guys, listen don't don't let that like lower your stock in me. Okay, I, I recognize. That like, you know, guys are supposed to you know, maybe supposed to be mechanical or builders. Listen, I screw stuff up. I mean, if I get involved with a project or anything like that, it is going to be a complete disaster. It's just not me. Uh, I'm just not good at it. I wish I was. I I would love to. I think people are mechanically inclined. I think they're, uh, you know, they maybe grow up in it. They learn it. You know, like I look at my kids. One of my, my son, Blake, he's very, it's obvious he's mechanical. You know, he's probably going to be some kind of construction worker or a mechanic. You can just see it in the way he interacts with toys and those kinds of things. I'm not, never had it. My dad wasn't like that. My family wasn't like that. And so, uh, but I do understand that, especially for me, any kind of building project that you do, it is really smart when you've got a team pulling together to make it work. If you're a general contractor, as an example, you know, more than likely you're going to have to sub out certain Parts of the project, you know, if you're going to build a building, there's concrete work, there's pad work, there's 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 framing, there's finished work, there's electrical work, there's HVAC work. It all works together to build an edifice, and and, and nothing to me is more clearly has a more clear need for us to be together to build something together than husband and wife. If you're going to have a successful marriage, you have to build it together. You're going to have to do it together. Uh, It it will not work long-term with one person trying to pull the load of making your family successful. It will not work. Quite frankly, maybe there's somebody here. Maybe you're spiritually engaged and your spouse isn't. And you guys know that. You know that. You know right here looking at me like everything's fine. One of you might be spiritually engaged and one of you isn't. Let me give you a challenge here. It's about time to engage. Okay? Okay? Because you can, you, you can go to all the couples' conferences you want to, and you can go to any amount of therapy that you could ever go to. But if you don't engage, you're going to lose it. You cannot coast with wife wanting Jesus, wife wanting to do things well, and husband thinking his only responsibility in life is making money. Or vice versa. You can't have a husband that's really energized about the things of the Lord, but a wife who's kind of on the sideline and far more interested in other things than that. That's not going to work long term. You're going to have to build it together. Okay? So um, I'm going to do three sessions. I don't really know what I'm doing yet. I know it sounds crazy, but a, a lot of this i gotta kinda, I got to kind of get into it and see how it goes. Okay? You say, you're not prepared. I've got more notes here than I could ever go through in three hours. So literally, part of this is just me feeling you, okay? If y'all look at me funny, I'll probably just start repeating stuff because I'll be like, you don't, you're not getting this, okay? But here's where I want to start. Every project starts with a foundation. What is the foundation of a successful relationship? Answer, unfailing love. So let's take our Bibles and go to the book of Hosea, chapter 1. Now, if you're new to church or you're not as familiar with the Bible, I would recommend opening to the very middle of your Bible. You'll probably be in Psalms. If you just crack it open right in the middle, more than likely you're going to be in the book of Psalms. If you are, just start turning the pages to the right and uh, you'll hit Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel. As soon as you go past Daniel, you're going to be in Hosea. So that's where we're going to be today to start with and Hosea is the literally, I think, the most fascinating uh, book of the Bible on two accounts. It's what he talked about, and it's what he had to do. All to demonstrate this one truth, and that is this. How far will God go? Or, to put it where you are, how far would you go? How far... Will your love go for your spouse, for your children? How far will this go? Interestingly enough, there is a song uh, that has been, in the last 60 years, the third most popular song in Great Britain over the last 60 years. So we're talking about this song that I'm getting ready to refer to is rivaling the Beatles. If you look in the broad perspective of music from Great Britain, this song has had 1.9 billion streams on its YouTube music video, 1.5 billion streams on Spotify. And while it's by no means the most popular song in the world, it is one of the most popular songs in the history of musicians that have come from Great Britain. The writer of the song and the performer of the song is Adele. Now, uh, you know, you can you can like or not like you know, different kinds of music. That's up for you guys to debate. But my understanding is, while I'm not an Adele fan necessarily, because that would be weird if I was an Adele fan, um, I would I would tell you that she is she's very very popular. Her her people admire her voice. She's evidently got a great voice. But this song, which is about a breakup. About a breakup that that was that that she thought this relationship was going to end in a marriage, but the relationship ended. The last line of the song goes like this. Sometimes it lasts in love, and sometimes it hurts us bad. This is crazy. Adele is obviously popular she has written and performed hundreds of songs it's obviously not the most important the, the the most uh, uh, the, the only song it's not like she it's not like she's like vanilla ice you know and had one song that everybody liked in the 90s and, and, and you can judge me if you want to whatever uh, so she's very well known but this song this song is the song that stuck. This is her song. This is her most popular song. And we got to ask ourselves the question, why? With so many beautiful songs and so, so much popularity, why is it this song? Why is this song the song that everybody listens to, everybody streams, and everybody, watch it, identifies with? Answer, every person in the world knows what it's like to have something you thought was a commitment not be a commitment? Everybody, everybody knows what it's like to have some kind of failure in a relationship. Everybody knows what it's like to have your heart broken. Everybody does, and and it's because we as humans identify with brokenness. We identify with failure. We identify with loss of commitment. We understand it, and it screams out to our uh, our our nature and what we go through and what when I what when I trying to get at today is, is fortunately for us, Jesus calls and enables us to live out a lifetime of faithful love in our relationships. In other words, uh, yes, the vast majority of popular culture completely identifies with that song and, and understands it, but I'm here to tell you, there's a way in which your marriage doesn't ever have to identify with that song. You can live in such a way that it does last in marriage. And it doesn't have to hurt so bad as it were. This book, the book of Hosea, has a theme of God's unfailing love. Now, if you look at Hosea chapter 1, verse 1, you're going to see something about the times in which Hosea ministered. So let me read that real quick. The word of the Lord that came unto Hosea, the son of Beri, in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah, and in the days of Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel. So you're seeing here, God is allowing us to understand. The the, the time in which Hosea's message and ministry was inserted. There's two things to note here. One, there's a list of four kings in Judah. That's the southern kingdom. And and there's a list of one king in Israel. That's Jeroboam II. Okay, and, and so it's saying Jeroboam had a long ministry while he was the king in Israel. There were four different kings in Judah, right? This time frame was about 50 years. Now, what does that tell you about Hosea? Well, he was a faithful man of God, right? He faithfully preached the word of God for 50 years. I mean, this is, a, this is one of the good guys. You realize 90% of pastors do not retire as pastors. 80% of men that go to Bible seminary, like graduate school for ministry, do not make it longer than five years in ministry. So when somebody pastors or preaches like this for 50 years, that's pretty admirable, right? He's one of the good guys. He's faithful. He loves God. He's he's faithful to the task, which makes what God is about to ask him to do all the more bizarre. Here is a faithful preacher of God's Word. Look at verse number 2. The beginning of the word of the Lord by Hosea, and the Lord said to Hosea, watch this, Go, take unto thee a wife of whoredoms and children of whoredoms, For the land hath committed great whoredom, departing from the Lord. This makes what God says for Hosea to do so bizarre. Here's a good guy, a faithful guy, and this is what God says. I want you to go marry a prostitute. A wife of hortives. There's two ways to look at this, and I think it's completely debatable. It doesn't really matter. The outcome is the same. Number one is that she was a prostitute or a temple harlot, and God told him, go make her your wife. Or he was telling him in advance, she's going to break your heart by sleeping around on you. Either way, I mean, does it make it any easier either way? Either way, it doesn't matter how you cut it. The end result is the same. Here's what God says. God says, I want you to go marry a woman who is going to be unfaithful to you. And then I want you to take this as an illustration, and I want you to go preach to Israel the fact that in, in the same manner that this woman is going to commit adultery against you, the people of Israel have committed idolatry against me. And, and, and through word, watch this, through word and through testimony, Hosea, you are going to display and declare to Israel that my love never changes. Friend, we can be assured of this and glad about this. God's love for you never changes changes you cannot do anything to make God love you more you cannot do anything to make God love you less God loves you unconditionally and in the story here Hosea is a picture of God his wife who's introduced to us in verse 3 he went and took Gomer's Gomer. Now, guys, don't get too excited, all you Andy Griffith fans, okay? I know some of you think it's like Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Andy Griffith, okay? That, 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 look, this is not Gomer. It's not that Gomer. This is actually a girl, believe it or not. And uh, I, girl, if anybody's pregnant in here, don't be looking for, don't be looking for names in the book of Hosea, okay? It is just... There's all kinds of weird ones. In fact, that it's his wife, Gomer, then it's the kids, Laomi, La-Homahai, La. you know, all these. It's just bizarre, okay? You may have met somebody named Joshua. It's the same, same Hebrew word as Hosea, Jehovah saves, okay? But Gomer, come on. So it's not Andy Griffith Gomer. It's his wife. In this story, God is Hosea and we are Gomer. Because we have often failed the Lord, have we not? What is the message of Hosea? It's this, although you have often failed the Lord, he has never and will never fail you. Now, I don't have time today to get into this in detail. Oh, just bear with me. I'm trying to be simple here. Okay, this, this message, this, this uh, word, uh, in Hebrew it's hesed, it means covenantal committed love. It means never die, never changing love. The kind of love that God has for you is to be the kind of love you have for your spouse. And this is pictured in Hosea's passionate pursuit of Gomer. She gave up on him, but he never gave up on her. She stepped out on him, but he didn't step out on her. She left him the kids to raise on his own, but he never stopped loving his kids, and he never stopped doing what's right. And when she literally destroyed her life, he went after her. Guys, this is the picture of of what your relationship with one another is supposed to be like. So with that thought of mind, I'm going to give you three statements about love that we all need to have in our relationship. Okay, ready? Am I supposed to be following this schedule? Is that what I'm supposed to be doing? What's the next thing? Ten what? I got ten minutes. Okay, here we go. See what I meant? See what I was talking about? Okay, I appreciate y'all writing some notes down. That's great. But look. Don't hold me to any notes. Don't hold me to any time schedules. I, I just, I like I said, I'm a wild card. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. But I can give you these. Ready? Number one: Love is essential. Love is essential. Fundamentally, what happens here, and again, I, for sake of time, I don't have time to read all this, guys. You're going to have to trust me on this. Some of you know the story of Hosea. I can tell you. You're shaking your head. You're like, yeah, I get it. Okay. Basically, it goes like this He marries Hosea. They have a son. The name of the, 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 first, the, the first boy is mentioned in uh, verse four. His name's Jezreel. That's the boy. And it's very specific, guys. It's very specific. Uh, Hosea took Gomer, and he came into her sexual relations with her. They produced a child. Boy's name, Jezreel. Then the next two girls that are going to be born, which is which is in chapter 1, nothing is said about Hosea. What is assumed is that already after the first child comes, Gomer starts stepping out on Hosea and starts getting impregnated by men other than him. Anybody feeling gross right yet? Hey, this is the real story. This is what happens. This is ultimately going to lead to... to, To Gomer being so engulfed in her own sin that she actually becomes indebted to her sin and becomes what the Bible calls a bond slave. In Bible days, if you got into debt with somebody for one reason or the other, one way that you could pay off your debt is by becoming a bond slave. The New Testament uses this word all the time. A bond slave meaning you owe somebody something. So you become a slave to them in order to pay off your debt. Gomer becomes a bond slave. So when you come to chapter 3 of the story, in verse number 1, God says to Hosea, I want you to go and I want you to buy her from her slave owner. And he does it. Now guys, what Hosea did was unfathomable. It was unthinkable. It was ungodly. It was wrong. And can I just stop here? I'm going to say this, guys. I I know the the next two minutes of this is not going to be encouraging. It's going to be straight. Adultery always has been, always will be a sin against God and a savage crime against your spouse. There's no other way to cut it, pal. It's wrong on every level. There was nothing right about what Hosea did. It was wrong. And look, hey, hey, if you've never done that, praise God, never do it. And never do whatever would lead you down that road to ever get there. If you have and you guys have reconciled, praise God for that. Aren't you thankful for stories like that that God heals and mends and brings back? You know it's tough. If you've been there, you know it's tough. I don't have to tell you how tough it is. But if you've never been there, let me just tell you. Do not go there. It's not right on any level. It's not right. But here's the thing I want to say. When Hosea did sin against her husband and her God, what she needed more than anything was not another lecture and certainly not a rock. What she needed was somebody to love her. It's at the heart of every human. The most essential thing you need is love. Guys, your, relation, your, your marriage is built on the need to be loved. That's why you got married. You fell in. Yes? Why else would you get married? Okay? You didn't get married because. Yeah, look, everybody in this room has the same story. Everybody, unless you're like some. Never mind, I ain't gonna say that. You, 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 you all basically have the same story. Everybody's got a different family background, but essentially it's something like this You guys met, you fell in love, and it ended up, you got, you got married. It didn't happen any other way. Okay, unless you were like you know over in over in Jesus Day and like you had to pay like a donkey for you know the the, you know I I got my son's two years old and every two year old girl in the nursery loves Braxton. Braxton is in a love triangle. It's actually like it's actually like a love rectangle thing going on. I mean seriously. And I was sitting with one of the families uh, of the of one of the girls, Kaya. So there's Kaya loves Braxton and. And there's Alana loves Braxton. And I can't remember the other one. There's this thing going on. And uh, so the guy said, hey, let's just settle this. Let's just go ahead and arrange the marriage so we don't have to go through all this. And then he looked at me and said, yeah, but pastor, you don't have enough goats. You can't pay me enough for, you know, most of us, that's not our experience, right? Why did you get married? Because you love the person. What does that mean? You got married because you wanted to fulfill and pursue and have this as an everyday part of your life. You were going to leave everybody else and go to this because this was awesome, right? This was love. Love is essential. You need to love your spouse. You need to show grace to your spouse. You need to be able to forgive your spouse. You need to show them what even at times, watch this, they don't deserve. Because that's what Jesus did for us. Love is essential. Number two, love is everlasting. Love is everlasting. My favorite word in chapter 3, verse 1, again, I'm summarizing now, is this. Again. Again. Go again. Go again. Why? why what is he saying? He's saying, I want your love. Your love for Hosea or, or Gomer is not supposed to be dependent on her performance in the same way that my love, God says, for Israel is not based on their performance. In fact, way back in Deuteronomy, he made this statement. This is really interesting. He said to Israel, I did not choose you because you were the greatest. I chose you because I am the greatest. Hey, guys, God doesn't love you because you're great. He loves you because he's great. Guys, you and I respectfully, I said I, you and I aren't worth loving. I mean, do we all believe the same thing about our human nature and our sinful nature? I hope you do. Fundamentally broken, fundamentally sin, fundamentally guilty before a holy God. Only the grace of the gospel could rescue us from that. Only because of undeserved and unfailing love did we enter into a relationship with God. Are we all, are we all together on this? And if you're not, I'm sorry to break the news to you. God loved you even when you were unlovely. And that's Romans chapter 5, verse 8. Even while we were sinners, Christ died for us. What does that tell you about God's love for you? It is everlasting. It never changes. Guys, Dan said it perfectly at the beginning here. And I believe this with all of my heart. And that is this. Love is everlasting. Therefore, marriage is to be everlasting. The greatest picture of Jesus to the world that you can provide for the world is that you stay with your relationship even when it is tough. It is everlasting. Permanence in marriage is the greatest picture of the gospel on this earth. It is us staying together even when it's hard, even when it's challenging, even when sin is involved. We commit our lives to stay together. Love is essential. And if love cannot be tested, love cannot be trusted. If my love is never tested by challenges, if my love is never tested because my spouse sins and does something wrong, if it's never tested, if it's never pressed, then it's never been, it's never been authenticated. Your love for your spouse is, 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 is literally proven whenever things aren't going well. I, I have the same routine every morning. I get up, I leave my bedroom, uh, I wake up about 5, I walk past the Keurig and hit the power button on my way to the coffee cups. By the time I grab my coffee cups, I drink bulletproof coffee, so I put butter in the bottom of my cup, and then I walk over, and um, and, and I, by that time, the water's warm, and so I put my cake up in, same coffee. Member's Mark, Columbia Supreme from Sam's Club, been drinking forever, love it. Set down at the kitchen table, nobody's up. My kids are still asleep. So, like the only time I can have peace in my life is about, about 4 a.m. to about 5 a.m., roughly. Okay. So I get up, pop in that curry, get a fresh cup of coffee, sit down, and start have, have have my devotional time each morning. The other day it was on Tuesday. I sat down. i fi- you know, I did that, all that stuff, sat down. I take my first drink of coffee, and it was so nasty. It was like. You know, that warm, burnt water taste. I almost immediately knew what happened. And to, to verify it, I put up my phone and flashed my flashlight into my coffee cup, and it looked like tea. Coffee is not supposed to look like tea, okay? And what had happened, some, it's weird because I do this every day. Somehow on this journey, I forgot to switch the K cup. So I reran a K cup. I reran yesterday's K cup for the new day, and it was just straight. Unbelievably gross. Now, if you do that to save money, you are weird and (laughs) twisted, and that is absolutely gross, okay? Look, if you are that bad, let me order you some, because I want to spare you from all things disgusting. K-cups are only supposed to be used once. But I'm thankful that God's love for me is not a one-use K-cup. It's actually designed... ...to repeat over and over and over again. And that's the way it's supposed to be in your home. I watched a movie years ago. 1999 was released. It was called A Vow to Cherish. Has anybody ever seen The Vow to Cherish? Oh, man. if Only watch it uh, if you're ready for a good a good cry. It's about a husband and wife who the wife gets Alzheimer's. And her life unravels and everything goes chaotic. And he cares for his wife... She's lost her mind. She doesn't even know who he is. During that time in the movie, another caretaker gets involved because it's more than he can handle. And this caretaker, who's a woman, starts falling for the man as she watches his faithfulness to his wife. And she actually comes onto him. And toward the climax of the movie, he basically tells her, I can't. Because of this vow to cherish with the movies built on. She said back to him through tears. The thing that drew me to you is the very thing that's taking you away. What drew her? Unfailing love. What pushed her away? Unfailing love. This is how marriages get welded, guys. This is how it lasts. This is how you'll talk to somebody like me who's been married for 20 years. Some of you guys have been married like a year or two or whatever it is. And I can look at you and say, definitively, without question, without blinking, without hesitation, it's so much better now than it was when we were married two months or three years. I remember somebody telling me that when I was first married. I was like, how in the world? This is awesome, right? But then what happens? Love builds something stronger. Commit- you don't think we've had fights? Are you crazy? We are two firecrackers, and I'm telling you, when the fuse goes off, it goes off. Okay, I am serious. We—I mean, she—she just—I mean, she is a very driven, very opinionated, very independent person who could run a Fortune 500 company on her own, no question. And obviously, I'm just as crazy as she is, except for I couldn't run a company. Okay. And man, I tell you, there are, there, there are differences, there's brokenness, there's loss, there's been all kinds of things we've gone through. I'm going to talk about that some in the next session. But staying true to that ma- marriage relationship and forging love through all of that has made it so much better because love is everlasting. Now, you can quit on it if you want to. You know what you're going to do? You're going to go start it over again somewhere and see how that works. Why is it that most people that remarry once, remarry two or three times? Because they're trying to do something God did not intend for them to do. What God intended for you to do is stay with it. Stay with it. Finally, love is costly. Love is costly. I mean, chapter 3, verse 1. Hosea paid 15 shekels of silver for his wife, which was prescribed in Exodus as the price for a common slave. Can you imagine this man digging in his pocket and literally paying for something that was already his? But as he counted out those coins, it's almost like he could have quoted John 3:16 with every coin that hit the bottom of that bag. Just like Jesus did with you. He already owns you. He's your creator. So when Jesus died on the cross, shed his blood, rose again from the dead of the third day for you, it was buying back something he already owned. And this is the picture of our marriages. I'm just going to tell you this, guys. Marriage is a four-letter word. W-O-R-K. And if you're going to have a good marriage, let me tell you what it's going to be costly it is going to be incredibly costly it is going to take every intentional effort it is going to take resources it is going to take time it is going to take sacrifice it is going to be exhausting it's going to lead to lengthy conversations it is going to it is going to be continual effort of maintenance you 're going to pay and pay and pay and pay and invest and invest and invest and invest in a good relationship. Love is costly if it 's going to make it it 's going to cost you something. If you want it easy you 're not going to have a good marriage. I wish it came easy. I wish it was natural. Oh my goodness, would that be great if we could be like um, if we could be like uh, oh, oh my favorite song, my favorite song on 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 frozen um, uh, what 's the song uh, whenever whenever uh, Anna meets the prince? At the, when, the, when they open up the gates and, and, and the party comes, Prince Hans of the 17 Isles or whatever, or whatever it is. Y- y'all know what I'm talking about? And the song goes, Oh my life. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah. And then suddenly I bump into you, right? That's me and my daughter's song. We sing it all the time together. And wouldn't it be cool if it was that easy? You know it's crazy how we finish each other's sandwiches, right? Just like that, they never even had lunch together, but look how nice that was. Look how that worked out. Suddenly, and all of a sudden we knew this was meant to be, right? Well, you see how that worked out, don't you? You see why? It's never Disney, it's never easy, it's never fairy tale, it's never happily ever after without work so that's the foundation guys you got to have love you got to exercise it and it will cost you let's pray God thank you so much for this day and for this time God would you fill this place with your love each marriage I pray that we'll take necessary steps to uh, instill love into our relationships. Help us to be conscious and mindful of this in Jesus' name.